All right, we are going to have a Q&A, a question and answer panel so many times during our Disciple Now. You guys hear so many amazing and incredible parts and points of teaching that I know there are questions that naturally arise. I know, for example, that the guys last night already had questions that they that was brought up as they were going through Genesis and looking at the creation narrative and some of the curses that were outlined with it. I know because I've already been asked those questions, okay? But I know that that's not the only time when questions arise. So this is an opportunity for you guys to ask questions to the panel, but also I want to give our panel an opportunity to ask questions to you as well to see if you are retaining, if you are remembering the lessons that are being taught. So I want to ask first the kids, give them the opportunity, excuse me, the students, give them the opportunity to ask some questions to y'all because I see some hands already kind of anxious to, to ask questions. And then I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to answer as well. So first up, and wait till I come with the microphone for you to do it right here, Miss Gabby. You can ask Josh. You can ask me. You can ask me. Does not necessarily have to be. Okay, so she asked, do we have to ask questions that are only things that were covered in this weekend's teaching, or can it be other questions uh, that have come up? And it is fine to ask questions that you have just in general. Uh, A lot of times you're going through things in school or through things with family or whatever, and maybe we didn't touch on this weekend, but it's really been impressed on your heart to ask those questions. So you can ask anything to our panel and we are willing to discuss those things and to answer them. So is that good? All right, Miss Bella. You have to. Why does like why does God have to wait for like a certain day to come down to earth? Like and like take us up to heaven. We have no idea. <laughs> really? Miss Crystal did Why not? He's on his own time. That's the simplest answer I can give you. If he, if if he's okay, if he's out of, if he is outside of time, what is he? Good job, Andre. Okay, if there is no real answer from the panel, let me try and take a stab at Bella. Okay, let me try and, let me try and, okay. God is not dependent on us to come back. God is not waiting on some sort of magic formula for us to complete. God is coming back in his timetable according to his purpose. We don't know the mind of God. We don't know, we don't know the things of God. The reality is, is, is he's not waiting on us, though, to accomplish something. He's not, he's not waiting on us to finish a task. Rather, what he is doing is for his own good pleasure, he is waiting for a reason we can't see. But he's not waiting for us to accomplish something. Would we all agree with that? He's not waiting. He's not sitting on pins and needles and hoping, oh, I really hope that 
that, that Brad shares the gospel with, with someone at the ballpark. He's not waiting on us to accomplish a mission. He's doing it on his timeline. Is that fair? Is that fair? Does that help? Talking about creation and stuff. Talking about creation and stuff, my question is like, um, it says in the beginning the heavens and the earth was created, but was hell created at that time? Is it created now, or is it going to be created when God throws the people into hell? I mean, so Scripture says that in G, like Jesus created all things, and nothing has been made that wasn't made by Him. So, is hell a present reality now? I mean, that's a tough question. I think a lot of different people would answer that question different ways. Um, we, uh, um, I think we can say with a a high degree of certainty that hell is eternal punishment for those who are not in, in Christ. And so is hell a present reality now? I don't know. We do know it will be a present reality one day. That's about all I got for you. I'm sorry. It's not 100% clear as far as like, hey, it's an actual place that's, you know, you got, you can point on a map, there's heaven, there's earth, and then hell's over here. It's, it's not like that, unfortunately. You know, you the the same. You could also say about like what we would call about what we would call the eternal state is different than what we would call heaven right now. So even that is going to change. Like what we would call heaven right now. Jesus is there. When you die, you go to be with Jesus there. But there's going to be, like you said, a new heavens and a new earth. And it says that the, the city of Jerusalem, the heavenly city of Jerusalem, is going to come down to that new earth. And so that's a, that's a different thing. And so it's kind of, I think, what Drew was saying is, is, is the eternal version of hell, I guess you could say, is it in existence right now? We're not explicitly or expressly sure, um, but there is judgment now, and there is a place you can go and be with Christ now. Would would y'all agree with that? But neither of those places may. We we know that heaven is not how it's going to be in its eternal state, and hell, we're, it's, we're just not as sure about. So if that, if that further confuses you, then good. So. Um, this is not a biblical question, but can you play <laughs> Thunderstruck on an electric guitar? That was cow! 
but not a serious timing. I can play it on the radio. Hi, so, um, well, introduce yourself. <laughs> if, if God can control everything, and I know he can, why would he control it and make it that humans sin? <laughs> for his glory and for our good. I mean, that's, that's, that's the simplest answer. Um, when, when we start asking, like, we have to be careful when we ask questions like that because, and I'm not, and I'm not saying this is, this is true of, of, of y'all, but often when we ask questions like that, why did God do it this way, we essentially, behind that question, we're saying we would, we would have a better way of doing things. And what are we doing when we, do, when we say that, like, when we do that? Right? We're, we're essentially saying, on some level, we could have been better than God is. And so we need to be careful that we're, we're not putting ourselves in that position where we're questioning God and saying, well, if he just did it the way I would do it, it'd be correct. Right? Because what am I? I'm made from the dust, and to the dust I'll sh- I shall return. I'm, I'm a sinful human being, right? <laughs> we're nothing compared to the creator God. And so really, um, you know, I, on like I said, the simplest answer is we know that God is, it's going to be for our good and it's going to be for his glory. That's, that's the whole purpose behind all of creation and everything that's taken place in time. Um, and, but there's a certain level of mystery of why did he choose to do it this way? To be honest, I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I think a, a crazier question is why did God create in the first place? He didn't need to, right? He was, he had, he was, he was self-sufficient. He had everything necessary for existence within himself. And not only that, but he lived in eternal relationship. So why would he bring new creatures that he would relate with? It doesn't really make any sense. He, he, he didn't need anything. There's nothing else he needed. And so there's a certain level of mystery, but we know that at the end of the day, it's going to be for his glory and for our good. You did kind of rephrasing the question. He said, why, why do you, why did he make it like make people sin or make it to where people can sin or what was okay man well here's when it comes to us okay like with original sin and how you know all of that that this may be um may not fully answer that question but when it comes to us um and some of these guys may dice this up a little different than me, but I'm going to try to explain something that may can help you kind of see this. Okay. Um, the Bible says that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And it says that in the Bible. In the book of Isaiah, it says this. Now listen closely. It says, I am the Lord. I create well-being and calamity, I create light and darkness. Is that a contradiction? No, it's not. How do you create darkness? Take away the light. It says that um, 
men love darkness rather than light. And so if, if you think about this, God, if he removes his light from someone, what's left? Did God cause the darkness? Did God create, in that sense, did he, did he force the darkness or did he just say, I'm going to remove my light? Who's responsible for the darkness? The sinner, it's their darkness. They love the darkness. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He's just removing his light. So he is not forcing that person. You see what I'm saying? And so that may be one way you can kind of help. Um, and, that, and this is not original. This is my, not my thought. This is the way Jonathan Edwards explained it, to help think through those things. So there's one thought on that, on how, how God can be in control of everything, and yet he's not the author of our sin. You know, because the Bible says, if I'm tempted to sin, it says, every man, is, God does not tempt any man to sin. He's drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And so you, we just want to be real careful when we're talking about that, that topic, that we don't say, well, God made me sin, you know. You know what I mean? If Satan was a fallen angel, he was trying to be, like, bigger than, bigger than God and thought he was greater. Wouldn't that be the first sin and not Adam and Eve? Yes. But to answer, but to answer your, your question in terms of us, Adam represented us as our federal head. Satan did not. So we did not fall when Satan fell. We fell when Adam fell. So that's why it's considered the original sin, because he represented humanity. Does that make sense? And when Satan and the angels fell... There's no opportunity for redemption. It's once and final. Uh, it's not for us, um, not for all of us, not for all of humanity. Uh, but, yeah, J uh, John Piper actually said, Adam's sin I understand. He said the, the difficult one I have is Satan, his fall. That's the one that's difficult uh, theologically to kind of get our finite minds around. He said I, because of that sin, we understand Adam's sin. But the other one, that's it's difficult. Okay, so in the garden, whenever, like, Adam and Eve sinned and they died, like, did they go to heaven or hell? So you're asking, as, as soon as they sinned, 
if God killed them like he said, if you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. And he kills them right then. Would they go to heaven or hell? Uh, well, it would be the end of humanity because uh, those were the only two people at that point. And it, it's, it's, at that point, things stopped. So uh, very likely, you know, just it, they, would, they would be no Messiah. So there's, there's, yeah, they would be eternal punishment. And they would, so, yeah, but. Yeah, that's a tough question because it's a hypothetical, right? Because, number, first of all, Adam and Eve didn't die, right? They, 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 they weren't struck dead as soon as they ate the apple. So answering a hypothetical question like that, it, I mean, it might be helpful, it might not, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a hypothetical. We, we don't know what the answer is to that. But like Brad said, if they were struck dead as soon as they ate the apple, that would have been the end of humanity, and that would have been, I mean, we'd have been no better than Satan and his angels because there would have been no path for redemption because in order for us to be redeemed, right, there had to come a seed of the woman who would live the perfect life, who would die the death that we deserved, who would... Um, you know, be buried for three days and would be, you know, uh, resurrected on the third day, right? If there's no humanity, there's no way for that to happen. There's no Messiah. There's no salvation. What are we talking about, right? Because it didn't happen. So that, that's, that's the answer to the hypothetical question is that it wouldn't matter because everybody would be dead. There'd be nobody else. So in the temple when um, there would be like that one person who would go into the Holy of Holies, how did they pick that one person? So that's you, actually you, you, you walk through Leviticus. Yes, yeah, so that's actually that's actually covered in, in the in the, the, the Bible. There were there were ways that um, that a household was picked throughout all the year. Um, there were certain times it wasn't just um one time a year that they went into the holy place they went to the holy place every morning and every evening okay and there was kind of a, a almost a rotation as to when they would do that now when the passover would fall whoever was on that rotation and it was always it was always guided through supernatural ways Whoever was almost on the rotation in that moment and whoever had, I can't remember what the other requirements that came up, but whoever matched that requirement and was on that rotation when it came around to the Passover time or to the Day of Atonement, excuse me, to Yom Kippur, that's when they could go in. So it was set up by God and it was, it was set up and it was, it was used not just one day a year, but yearly or every every day of every year there was a, a person going in and out of there and then when that Yom Kippur that day of atonement came there was already someone set up in that rotation that would already be walking in there does that make sense so it was it was just part of what God had instituted through um through the priesthood that that was how it was going to happen so I'm going to So, um, what happens when you die? The Bible says it's appointed a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Um, we know that for sure. Um, 
if you are a believer in Christ, we know for sure, it says, if you are absent from your body, in other words, if you are dead, if your spirit has left your body, then you are with the Lord. We know that for sure. Um, beyond that, like, what, what other really clear things do we ha- have as far as when, when you die? For a believer, and, and some of this gets into the bulk of the stuff that we have on the Bible about the eternal state or about heaven and hell is all about eternity. It's not so much based on, on, on what heaven looks like now and what hell looks like now. God is the only thing in the Bible that never changes. Heaven will change. Hell will change. The bulk of the stuff in the Bible talks mainly about what it's going to look like for eternity. But what we do know from Scripture right now is that to be in heaven now for a believer, they go to what is what Paul calls third heaven. So the sky is the first heaven. Stars, moon, that's second heaven. Third heaven would be the place where Christ is. Christ right now is seated on the right hand of the Father. He is their Savior. People rejoice with him in a time of rest, in a time of peace, and in a time of waiting and anticipation for the return of the Lord. For those who are not believers, I think it is a very safe thing. And what, we, what we're going to go through on, on Wednesday night when we come back after Passover um, you go to a place of torment, torment day and night. It says where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It says that it's where the worm does not die, which is a, a place of eternal conscious torment. You recognize that what you have done deserves your punishment. The reality is that for every person who dies, they stand before God. You either stand before God in heaven through his salvation, through Christ, or you're before God in hell, and he's pouring out his wrath and a just judgment upon unbelievers. All right, so I have two questions. Um, The first one's easy. Just one? No. Um, So the first one, is easy. We talked about like in uh, like the fall. After the fall, and it says in Genesis three about how child pain, birth pains will happen. Do you like do y'all believe that there there were children before this time? Like Adam and Eve had children. It's kind of a two part question. He he said yes. And so scripture of, doesn't say that they had children, but I don't think that's an unreasonable. That's that's an unreasonable conclusion to arrive at that they did have children. I think that I think that's a legitimate possibility, but it doesn't say definitively. So I'm not going to say definitively they did. That's the really important part. Where Scripture's silent, we need to leave it there. What we do know is that when they did have children, after it, whether it was before or after any of that, and I think you get into some weeds if you think that they did before the fall. So what we do know is Cain, Abel, and Cain brother, 
murders his brother. Uh, that's the first sin recorded post-fall. So, again, where Scripture is silent, we probably should let that alone. Okay. My second question, so in Matthew 4, uh, 1 through 11, I'm not going to read it all, but it says, I'm going to read the first verse. It says, then Jesus, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What do you think that spirit is? Do you think it's, do you think it's the devil or do you think it's something else? Or do you know? The spirit, the spirit, the spirit is just to be clear, the spirit where you just read capitalized, it's the Holy Spirit. Hello. Okay. Um, my name is uh, Andre uh, Jones. Uh, I have sort of two questions. Um, one, uh, the first one was, is heaven where God is? Like, well, like no, yes. 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 Okay. Uh, well, then. Well then, uh, the the heavens thing—the uh, first heaven, second heaven, third heaven—what uh, was that about? Well, I mean, in Genesis, the creation account, God said He created the birds of the heavens. Well, we know that that's not in the presence of the Lord in that heaven. That's the sky that Josh is talking about—the air that we uh, above us, outer space. What we would consider outer space, once you leave our atmosphere, that's the second heaven, and then the third heaven would be where the presence of God is where he dwells. Yeah, it's just a way of describing because, like he said, they used to look up to the heavens. Now, are they looking up to, like, heaven, heaven, where Jesus is seated? No, they're looking up to the sky. So they called the sky the heavens. And then when they spoke of outer space, the term outer space is actually a relatively modern term. They never called it outer space back in the day. They called it the heavens. And so... Um, so when we're talking about Jesus being seated in the heavens, we're not talking about he's seated in the sky or he's seated in outer space. No, we're saying he's seated somewhere else, right, in a, in a spiritual realm. That heaven is what, is what it's talking about. That's, that's why Paul makes the distinction between the first, second, and third heaven. Now, to answer your, your, your question real quick, uh, or, or to kind of maybe answer another question, um, God is everywhere, right? But Jesus now has a physical body. And so there's, there's, a, there's a sense in which as he participates in the Godhead, he's omnipresent, and yet he's confined to a location, one location, right? Is Jesus here now? In a manner of speaking, yes. But is he here bodily now? No, his body's in a single place, and that's in heaven. And so there's, you know, we get into some real mysteries when we talk about like okay god's omnipresent and jesus is omnipresent and yet he's got a body so he's he's in a single spot now how does it work exactly i i can't i can't explain it i can just tell you what it is does that make sense kind of but not really clear as mud that's my point (laughs) give that man a gold star um like a how did Adam, how did Adam and Eve die? Like, die, did they die of like old age or something? Yeah. Or so, how, how old were they? 
Yeah, it was, actually, it was COVID. <laughs> no, that was, was it wasn't, no, I can't remember. It was, was Adam was 930, nine, I think. It was 930. It's 930 years. Adam lived 930 years and then he died. That's how long Adam lived. And not anymore. Huh? Doesn't say. She did. How do like how do people like know what heaven and hell looks like if they've never been there? Like if Somebody passes away, they can't, like, come back and then tell us what it looks like. True. So the only information we have about, or, or the only, let's put it this way, the only infallible, right, true information we have about heaven and hell comes from the scriptures. And what is the scriptures? It's God's word, right? It's God's revelation. So we know what heaven and hell is like based on the scriptures because God told us. But that's the only, that's the only place we can go. So when people... You know, when people try to speculate and say, well, you know, it, it looks, it's, it's like this or it's like that. Well, if it's not coming from the Bible, that's all it is, is speculation. It's not, we, we, we can't say that it's necessarily true. There's, there's also, you know, it's kind of an easy, the Bible is, is, a, is an, a good easy grid for that. Because if, if somebody says that they like died and went to heaven and they give you a very different story than the Bible gives you, you're like, eh, that's not, that's not true. But if they, if they said very much what the Bible told you, you'd be like, well, I knew that. The Bible told me that. You know, so it's kind of like there's nothing they're going to add to the Scripture until we see Jesus face-to-face ourselves. And then, like we just saying, it says we will be like him, for we'll see him as he is. And so... Why in the Bible, if the father of a family sinned, why was the entire family stoned or persecuted? We love that question. Drew, give Drew the mic. We love that question. That's a hard question. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I, I... yeah, I'd have to think about that a little bit. Um, if I was going to shoot from the hip, which I, I, I don't want to do. No one um, to. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry. Right. was just saying, you know, and in the garden, like we talked about last night, you know, is Adam and Eve and Eve took the fruit from the serpent and she ate, but we say that sin comes through Adam. Adam was over Eve as the head of that household. God set it up that way biblically in the Bible that husband is head over wife and in ultimate authority, like he's responsible to God for the family. So there's a lot of you know, um he both good and bad, like come through the head of the home into the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bethany's absolutely correct. Like, uh, the man is the head of the household. And so he leads his family either into sin or he leads his family to God. 
Now, why exactly did they, why exactly was it practice to, if the man committed sin, to kill the whole family? I'd have to study that a little bit. Which I'll try to look into it and try to give you an answer, but that's a hard one to answer in a few seconds. But I, I do think that it's important, as it was already mentioned before, is when we ask these questions, it's a good question. But the fact of the matter is, is that's what God's law says. And because it is what he says, it is good and it's right. So past that, I don't know. So if we're trying to ask the question to get to, to understand God better, I think that's a good question. However, it, we got to make sure we're not asking it in a judgmental way that that, that is somehow unjust. We know it's not. God, it can't be unjust. He can't. So if it is part of his law, it is just and it's right. I mean, it's just like what Bethany said. The reason Adam is counted for this, he was sinful in that act. It was passive. He did not actively act as Eve's husband and the head of the household. And because he neglected what uh, his duties, she eats that uh, fruit. It's his sin, not hers. Not to, um, it is, it's a good question. It's a hard question. I'm not saying that this is in any way, you know, really answering the question. But when those kind of questions come up, um, you always want to, you know, if, if your mind ever starts wondering, huh, is it like these people are getting, you know, punished unfairly or unjustly or whatever, all any of us deserve is God's wrath, punishment, and death for our sin. That's all any of us deserve. If any of us get anything other than that, it is a gracious gift bought by the blood of Christ. And so that's always important, I think, to remember, is that a lot of times, um, like I remember a while back, I asked you all the question, the world sees it this way. How can a loving God send anyone to hell? But the the Bible is not interested in that question. It never asks that and ever answers that question. The question that the, the Bible is concerned with, and you see it from Genesis to Revelation, is how does a just God allow anyone to ha- into heaven, allow anyone to, to live? And so I think those are, it's always to, best to kind of keep that as a grid you're looking through when you're dealing with those kind of kind of hard questions so well and, and let's keep in mind too the flip side of that right so so we've kind of established right that the man is the head of the household either leads his family towards god into life or leads his family <coughs> towards sin into death right and so scripture describes jesus as the bridegroom of the church, as the husband of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And because Jesus was perfect, we get to participate in the blessings of his perfection because he's the head of the church, right? And so there's, you know, it's tough to understand, and this doesn't necessarily answer the question, but it does, in kind of a roundabout way, kind of shed some light on the question a little bit, right? We, we often ask, or a lot of people like to ask, well, it seems unfair that I uh, get sent to hell because Adam sinned, right? Um, but the truth is, is that if that were not the case, well, then we would not be saved because of Christ's 
uh, atonement, right? Through the one man came death, so that through one man may also come life. And so there's, there's kind of two sides of this coin that, uh, honestly, when we, look at, when we look at things like this, and, we, and I, think, I think you're correct to go, this seems strange. Why is it like this? It should, we should immediately see the flip side, which is the gospel that says, and how is it that because of what Jesus did, I get to participate in salvation? That's a mystery. That doesn't make any sense because we don't deserve it. And yet, that's what we've been given. Does that make sense? So I have two questions. The first one is, how can God be three in one? (laughs) All right. So we have to make a distinction between the being of God and the persons of God. And this is a mystery because there's nothing in creation that is like this. God is unique in this sense. But this distinction between being and person is something we recognize today, right? If I was, um, if I was to take this microphone and throw it at your head, right, it would hurt, correct? Why? Because the being of the mic collided with the being of your skull, right? But does the mic have, is the mic a person? Does it have personhood, right? When you're driving down the, the freeway and a rock hits your windshield, do you pull over on the side of the road and have a funeral for the rock? <laughs> no, 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 because the rock's not a person, right? We recognize that it has being. It absolutely has being. It just collided with our windshield, but it doesn't have personhood, right? Uh, another good example, right? If I, was, um, if I was to look behind Bella and ask the question, what is that? What, what is that? Right? Absolutely. That, that, that is a homo sapien, right? That, that is a human being, right? And that's, and that's a perfectly acceptable, right, question to ask, what is that? That is a human being. But it's also another question and also an equally appropriate question to ask, who is that? Right? Well, that is a person. That's his being. Right? Uh, that is a... That is a human, right? That is his being, but that's also a person. His name's Anthony, right? And so this distinction between being and person we recognize. So God in his being is one. There's only one God in terms of his essence, in terms of his being. But there's a plurality of persons. Again, how does that work? I don't know. Because, there's, again, there's nothing in creation that's like that. And, you know, I guess the closest thing you might get to is somebody with, like, split personalities, but that's, that's unnatural, right? We were created as one being and one person. So to have an extra person, right, within my one being is not, is not natural. But it is natural for God. That's who he is. How does it exactly work? I, I don't know. But, that's, but, but does that kind of answer your question? Right? So we have to distinguish between God's being and God's person. In his being, he is one, but in his person, he is three. So how, um, I mean, where was God before he created the heavens and the earth? That's a great question. Who, 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 who can answer that question? Who, wh- where, where was God? He was glorified. Who can answer this question? Who can answer this question? No, 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 no. Listen, where was God before he created? He was there. That's it. That's the wrong answer. Huh? Huh? No. He was eternal. Here's the answer. 
God was nowhere because he had not created a where to be. Right? Yeah, it's, 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 kind, it's kind of a philosophical like conundrum in your head. But here's the thing, okay? God has everything within himself necessary for existence. This is what, this is what philosophers refer to as, as a, a property called aseity. Basically, it's, it's a, you have everything necessary within yourself for existence, okay? We require a lot of things to exist, right? We need parents. We need oxygen. We need, um, we need time, right? In, in, in an even, like, more deeper philosophical sense, we need time. We need space to exist in. We need a place to be. Um, God doesn't need any of that. Everything he needs to exist, he has within himself. God doesn't need a place to exist in because he has all of that within himself. So the answer to the question, where was God? Well, he hadn't created anywhere to be, so technically he was nowhere. And everywhere. And everywhere, exactly. But, but, but places are created, and God doesn't need created things to exist. Does that make sense? It's kind of confusing, but... All right, I'm, I'm going to give... Uh, you'll have that, but I'm going to give after this, after this time, I'm going to give two more questions. I'm going to favor people who have not asked a question already. Okay. So if you have not asked a question and you still want to ask a question, make sure to raise your hand so I can see you. Okay. Um, and I'll, if, if there's no one in that category, I'll still try to come to people who have not, but I'm going to ask two more, let two more people have questions. All right. Real quick on what you were just saying. Um, I can tell you where Jesus was. He was with the Father, and I can tell you where the Spirit was. He was with Jesus. And in, in the Trinity, the three in one, in eternity past, they had experienced, when we say God is love, there was perfect love, giving of honor, unity, peace, joy, happiness, all, all of that existed between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit from all eternity past. So there's just... Is there anybody who has not asked a question? Who's talking to Cortland? I help explain one. Does anybody else need to ask a question that hasn't already asked Okay, you've got the mic. Okay. I have three questions, but they will be very quick, okay? Number one, is there Chick-fil-A in heaven? <laughs> what? Okay, so that's maybe a yes. Okay, also, um, when, I guess, back then is what you'd call it, um, when people would, like, sin, they would, like, make, they would do, like, burnt offerings to... Yeah. Um, so would they only do like the burnt offerings for when they committed a really big sin or for every sin they made? So uh, the, the Old Testament scriptures lay out what sacrifices were required for what kinds of sins. And so if, if the law said for this particular sin you offer a sacrifice for atonement, then that's what they did. So they, they didn't get to decide for themselves, oh, this one was pretty big. I'm going to offer a sacrifice this time. Or, you know what, that sin wasn't that big a deal, so I'm not going to offer a sacrifice this time. No, the stipulations were laid out in the law. And so if you committed a sin that the law required a sacrifice for, you offered a sacrifice. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. 
Yeah. Um, also, when you had to like pray to God, like, um, would you have to go to a temple to pray to God, or only when you had to like confess your sins and ask for forgiveness? Could you pray, pray any time of the day or anywhere, or do you just have do you have to go to the temple? So, in a manner of speaking, you could pray anywhere, but especially in Old Covenant Israel, God's presence presence was uniquely manifest in the temple. And so there, um, so the fact that people went to the temple specifically to pray was specifically so that they could be near that manifest presence of God. Does that make sense? Um, and as far as um, as far as confession, it, there there wasn't really. It depends upon what you mean by that. Confession in, in sort of the Roman Catholic sense of going to the priest and, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned, that kind of thing was not a, that was not a thing um, in, in the temple. Um, yeah, that's about all I got. Sorry. <laughs> the last question is going to go over here to Joseph. He has not asked a question yet. How did Adam and Eve learn to speak? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question, actually, and um, again, Scripture's silent on this, but we do know they were created mature, so it's not unreasonable for us to say not only were they intelligent, but I think because they were pre-fall, they were probably very highly intelligent beings, so... They kind of, it was, it was like breathing for them. Language was, whatever the language was, was like breathing for them. And also, we have, to, we have to remember that God created, first of all, God created by the word of his mouth, right? So you have language in creation. That's a, that's a part of creation, just by virtue of God speaking. Um, but not only that, but Adam and Eve were, were created for the purpose of relationship, right? They were, they were created for the purpose of being in fellowship, with each other and with God, which requires some level of communication, some level of language somewhere. So whether it was, um, you know, obviously they didn't go to grammar school or something like that, but whether it, w it was a process that they sort of learned or whether it was just immediately upon creation because that's part of who they are, they were speaking, I'm not entirely sure, but we do know that that's what God intended was for them to communicate with each other and with him because that's why he created them was to be in fellowship with them. Does that make sense? All right. I am going to call it. That is going to be our Q&A session. I think this has been maybe, maybe been the most lively Q&A session we've ever had. Uh, Y'all so usually don't ask very good questions. But y'all brought yeah, hats, tonight, hats off so. to the sixth graders. Y'all ask. Yeah, our really sixth graders just knocked it out of the park, guys. Our sixth graders are awesome. We've got a lot of thinkers. And and by the way, by the way, those who did not get a chance to ask your question, you still have the opportunity. You just won't 
necessarily be able to do it in a mic, but we're still going to be around for a little bit. You can still ask those questions. Okay? Yeah, and let me make clear, and I, I, don't, I don't feel out of place speaking for everybody up here. Um, if y'all have questions, y'all can come and ask us anytime. Like, literally anytime. I mean, obviously, tomorrow, Pastor Josh is going to be preaching, walking up here and asking him a question in the middle of his sermon. Might not be a good idea, right? But, but if you have a question for him and you ask him afterwards, he might say, hey, I don't think I can answer right now, but let's, but let's talk later this week, right? Y'all you, you, can literally ask us questions anytime you want to. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, don't be scared to ask us questions. We don't bite. So we are going to conclude our Q&A time. Uh, let's conclude it with a time of prayer. Once we are done, if you have not gotten your shirt, I'll be over there to try and help out. I want to make sure as much as possible that I can get every student here a shirt, if I can at all possible. I really want to try. Um, you might get a size that is too big for you. But I'm going to really try to get everyone I can a shirt, okay? But I'm, I'm going to try to do my best. Um, so if you haven't, come over there to the box and, and see what I can do for you. Um, after that, uh, after that, I don't know. I know that I will be preparing for a sermon. All right, but but if you guys have bent anyone's arm back or anything like that to play a game. I am not that, staying. Then that could happen. All right. So, so. We will need about four uh, four guys to help us move the baptistry in here. Uh, Mr. Brad will he'll be the the man in charge of that. You'll kind of all right. So we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray, and uh, and our time will officially be dismissed. Does anyone on the panel uh, want to pray to dismiss our time? I will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the time that you have given us to gather together, Lord, to worship you, to learn from your word, Lord, to ask questions, Lord, to sharpen each other um, through asking questions and through answering each other's questions. Lord, I pray for these students. I pray that um, what we have done throughout this DNL weekend, Lord, would stick with them. Lord, I pray that they would continue to ask questions, Lord, and that they would not only ask questions, but they would look to the source of all wisdom and knowledge, and that is, that is Jesus Christ, as revealed in his word. And so as they have questions, Lord, I pray that they would submit those questions um, to the authority of your word, and they would allow uh, your word to speak into their lives, and they would conform themselves to what your word has to say. Um, ultimately, Lord, we pray for all of these students, Lord, if they are not in a relationship with you, if they have not um, experienced the new birth, Lord, we pray um, that your spirit would begin to work in them, Lord, that um, you, you would uh, take out their hearts of stone and give them hearts of flesh and cause them to walk in obedience uh, to you. Um, we pray that you would use us, Lord, as instruments in bringing that about. Uh, but we know and we praise you that your spirit is the one that ultimately does these things. And so we pray that for these students, Lord. I pray um, that you would be with them for the rest of this weekend, Lord, and I pray that you'd be with us uh, tomorrow as we gather for worship. We pray all this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.